Well, I don't really admire it anymore, though I think he's <laughs> a very handsome, a handsome guy. I, of course, had it in the loo for the, for the first five, six years. Hello, my name is Poonam and welcome to Crew Chat's podcast where I speak to the people that were behind the scenes in the film, TV and theatre industry. Today's episode, my guest is Janty Yates. Her career in costume began with her grandmother's sewing machine at age 11 when she began making clothes, which continued into adulthood. Janty's career spanned from working in the wholesale fashion world, designing commercials and television shows to designing feature films. Janty has had a long-term collaborative relationship with director Ridley Scott, which began with Gladiator, for which she won an Oscar, and continues today with the upcoming Napoleon. Janty has designed on projects such as American Gangster, Prometheus, The Martian and The House of Gucci, to name a few. Hi, Janty. Hello, Poonam. How nice of you to ask me to this <laughs> podcast. It's very kind of you to say yes, firstly. <laughs> so thank you for coming on. Um, so you're a costume designer. and What does that mean to you? Well, a costume designer is actually quite responsible in the world of filmmaking because otherwise the actors would be naked. <laughs> However, you do have a huge responsibility for creating the stuff of a personality when you're creating, whether it's contemporary, whether it's Neanderthal, whether it's historical, you are responsible for actually creating the character of the actor. And very often in first fittings, the actor, and I've had this all through my career, in fact, the actor has got the hook of his character in his first fittings. Yeah. Her, she or he, very important. And um, how did you get into what you do? How did it all begin? Well, it all began with my grandmother's sewing machine, oh. <laughs> which was a treadle machine. And I realise now it's such a corny old cliche, but I started making clothes since I was 11 on this um, on this sewing machine, which I thought was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And basically um, I started... And I continued and I made clothes literally right through until I suppose mid-20s, maybe 30s. And I even, I used to travel around um, Britain, more of which later, and uh, my sewing machine was my only best friend. Basically, I would draw constantly and I I would never really make what I drew because I never drew my size. However, I went to dress making, dress design and dress um, pattern cutting college, um, which is at a a college that's no longer there, sadly. Um, And after that, I started in wholesale fashion manufacturing, which and I was a sketcher. And it really it was kind of not that satisfactory because each season you'd change a collar or something like that. It was not huge amount. They, it was a big wholesale fashion manufacturer, but quite sort of old fashioned. And um, they had five or six different lines, some of which might even be going now still. Anyway, so I did that. And then I saw this opportunity to work for Butterick Patterns. And I went off and worked for them which was traveling around England. And then my boyfriend of the time suggested that I should just try and think of maybe making friends in the film industry. Well, I didn't know anybody in the film industry, absolutely nobody. I mean, the film industry by that, I mean, the television 
industry, commercials industry, stills photography. I had one friend who was a stills photographer. Well, he gave me my first job in actual fact. So, you know, it just really, it's not so much who you knew, but in fact, because my boyfriend was an editor, he had chums who were in commercials and uh, I worked for nothing for the first probably six months, I would imagine, maybe three months. But yeah. I worked as an assistant, assistant, assistant for the first three months. And that's what everybody has to do. You know, they don't know anybody. Really, you just were dependent on sort of like if you were friendly enough or knowledgeable enough or, you know, not even either of those. I think if you just smiled and said, yes, I don't mind doing all the washing for the next three days, you know. <laughs> You have to be willing to do everything, really. Yeah, that's true. And then what did you, after that job initially, how did you then, how did you go forward with that, that profession, in that profession? Well, just as I said, you mean before, after I started working for nothing? Yes. Well, then, you know, you, you do meet people. And I worked for um, a particular costume designer, very, not intensively, but, you know, she employed me as an assistant, which you know, with for money, which was lovely, but I'd worked for her for more or less nothing. And then she introduced me to another costume designer who was doing a feature and she was allergic to fur. So I became her hands because we were cutting huge quantities of fur. It was before anything like Peter, the huge Canadian company, um, whose name I can't, you'll have to research this for me, but it, they just supplied us with enormous piles of furs. And oh, it was yeah. for a Neanderthal film. It was, you know, so we had to, plus our director, Jean-Jacques Anno, wanted the skins to be unclean. So oh. we spent six months in the car park in Shepparton, just destroying, I mean, obviously not with blood but breaking down (laughs) all these in all these um furs wow after that there was sort of some incidents that I managed to get involved on the entire shoot I went to Kenya etc and I came back and that kind of opened doors in commercial land because if you've done a feature I mean I didn't know anything (laughs) and they you know they would they would offer you jobs commercials so I did commercials for ages they were my bread and butter and I really didn't know what I was doing why do you say you didn't know what you were doing well you know they basically they said well for example we need everybody needs to be dressed in grey and they didn't have a budget so I'd go to uh, Berman's it was then and just pull out a load of grey clothes, female, male, and you know the jackets wouldn't fit the men properly, and you know I just I just would put them in everything. Luckily, I had uh, a right hand <laughs> who said, "No, we must take these trousers down." <laughs> yeah, I was complete again, babe in the woods, you know. But what was your first designing job? Oh well, I mean, basically for commercials, I was designing all the way through. Um, because you can do, you know, knights in armor, you can do, you know, medieval princesses, you can do sky blue pink three piece suits over a weekend. You know, yeah. you're really, you've got to think on your feet hugely with commercials. But uh, basically, I was given the designer I worked with um, a lot, 
was going through a divorce and uh, she said, well, if anyone's going to do it, you may as well. Um, and it was a short half hour little film. And so I took over, she guided me through it. And that was, oh, about 150 years ago. <laughs> and you haven't stopped since. Really? <laughs> um so it, just when it comes because you've had that experience and you've come from a sort of I get would it be fair to say a fashion background you said commercial fashion didn't you in a way well not really because you know that was when I was like 18 okay so um I came from an everything background really I certainly was not involved in fashion per se I was not involved in uh, you know Alexander McQueen or anybody of that ilk um it was very much a wholesale wasn't really fashion you know it was just clothing I think you could call it so yes I would never call myself coming from fashion I came from sort of really I think life's highways and byways and I had to just had to think about everything every single week and then I I you know after well several years doing commercials and doing the odd short film um I then managed to um i was given the opportunity of designing a television series with albert finney uh-huh. and that was my first you know big television series and i did television for probably i don't know how many years maybe eight ten years all right oh. i did television series i did one in hong kong you know i just did a lot of television series and then that kind of helped you, I guess, on stepping stones onto the feature film life. Well, funnily enough, the, for my first feature, I um, I knew I was doing a lot of comic strip as well. And Adrian Edmondson was doing Waiting for Godot with this director, Les Blair, um, with Rick Mail and somebody else. I can't remember who the third one was. But he said he wasn't happy with his tramp outfit. Um and uh, could I, could I help? And I said, yes, yeah, sure, easy. So I turned the this dressing room um, at Sadler's Wells into literally a Ralph Lauren tramp department store, and they, they'd never seen anything like it in their lives. And of course, were terribly happy. And I think Rick probably took some stuff as well. Um, and so that director, Les Blair, um, gave me my first opportunity for a feature which is the most exciting thing in the world, you know, making those transitions that are very important to go from commercials to short films to from short films to television, from television to film. You know, I was giving myself in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'll give myself six months and see if I can crack it. Um, But it came to me. So I was very fortunate. Do you think uh, you you kind of refer to that as transitions and it's I guess looking back it's a little bit easier to sort of see where you went from one to the other to the other but when you're in it did you kind of think about it was it something that you thought about or was it just like oh okay I'm going on to this now it was very much I'm going on to this now but I did always in the back of my mind think well gosh wouldn't it be lovely to do a television series or something of that ilk Um, wouldn't it be lovely to do a feature you know after I'd done 10 television series or something like that you know you can't help but just think well it would be lovely and it happened it just happened came out of the blue um so I wasn't sort of I wasn't greedy for it I wasn't sort of knocking on everybody's doors it just did I was very fortunate at the time 
you I, I I'm guessing you might have been nervous do you still get nervous there's just two questions oh, on there I'm dead nervous all the time <laughs> I'm so frightened all the time every single day on set I'm frightened I'm frightened every morning when I go in and see all my actors and I will you know I'm frightened when I run up to set with them to make sure that the director's happy you know I'm just frightened I'm usually a bit calmer by lunchtime but not if we've got new scenes in the afternoon <laughs> I think if you become complacent then you may as well go home you know that's true so it doesn't get any easier then I guess with um, experience it doesn't abate it does not abate not for me anyway <laughs> so actually I wanted to ask now that you obviously you're very much established in the industry as a costume designer um how do you and it's the question I always wondered about I guess other people must do but how do you get a job now I guess back in the day it might have been word of mouth or you know like you mentioned there that they needed someone so you were there to sort of and, and luck I guess played a part as you said but now I guess there's agents and there's a bit more negotiation I don't know how it works or kind of pitching how does it work um, I've just been very fortunate. I've had jobs offered left, right and centre. And I've been I've just been really jolly lucky from, I suppose, the 90s onwards. You know, I've <clears throat> I've never had I've had to turn people down, sadly, you know, because I've just been not overwhelmed, but, you know, just I've, I've been very fortunate. And then I got after about two or three small films, um, I got an English agent. And then in 2000, I got an LA agent. And, you know, now they handle everything, which is terrific. And they often ring me up and say, so-and-so has asked if you'd be available for this, etc. Um, so I'm very fortunate. I don't go out and pitch. No. Okay. Um, just you mentioned that, um, have you ever turned something down and then thought, actually, firstly, is it hard to say no? Oh God, it's impossible. <laughs> It's not impossible because I have to. Well, I work for a certain director who I will always give priority to. So when I'm meeting for these other films, I will always say, thank you very much for offering this to me, but I have to check and see if I'm, you know, if I'm yeah. going to be available because I have to give this particular director, obviously, first dibs. But, you know, by the same token, I've worked for so many different directors in the past Yes, it's it's very upsetting to say no, but you have to say no. And I've said no to more brilliant films than I've had hot dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any that you've sort of said no to where you kind of look back and you're like, oh, I wish I did that? Well, that's what I mean. I've Is there anyone no that stands yes. out? What you would oh, want to no, say? I'm not going to, no, I'm not okay, going you don't want to say. <laughs> no. So, what's your design process? Well, um, my design process is very simple in actual fact, because it depends obviously on the um, subject. However, I have to research it from beginning to end, inside out. I have to research the granny out of it. And then I'll go and see my director and I will get their basic brief, male or female. And uh, then that will that will guide my process of thinking. Um, then we wait for casting. That always takes forever. But there's so much. I mean, God, Napoleon, I have, I'm still wading through 500 files in my stairs in my office, trying to amalgamate the ones we throw out, the ones we keep, you know, this, all of this. I'm still going through four more huge, big 
cartons. Oh, wow. Um, yes. Anyway, it's there's more of a fallout. <laughs> to be honest, my, my office is bursting at the seams already. <laughs> anyway, um, so then, you know, we just, we just continue researching. I then will go off and I'll buy fabric by the mile. Basically, usually I go to Italy um, and then I'll go to France and I'll buy fabric there. Then when I come back, I'll actually, when I'm in Italy, I will probably go around the costume houses and see what's available, assuming that the project is period enough. Obviously, contemporary, I will then go around all the shops in Italy, in Rome um, and Florence and uh, Milan and also Paris. And um, I'll see what there is out there and what we will need, depending, you know, on what period it is and what is required. Because there was something like, I don't know, 180 actors in Napoleon. And in Gucci, um, we had we had about a hundred, and um, but LG had fifty four changes, and none of them would she repeat. And Adam Driver, our um, Maurizio Gucci, had forty two changes, and he was not keen on repeating that. Well, I wasn't keen on repeating that much on him either. Shirts, obviously, or trousers, you know, but. Mm. So everything's kind of fresh every time. Well, it was has to be new to the viewer. And then, <laughs> and then where does kind of putting your team together fit into that? Well, that's always a problem because we're always freelance and we're always, you know, looking for the next job. So you're just going to have to keep your fingers crossed that your ACD is going to be available, that your second ACD will be available, that you will have your cutter that you require and maybe your second cutter, that your jeweler, <laughs> you, you know, every there's no point ringing and talking to people saying, oh, well, you know, come September, I might be doing that because there's no point until you actually get the phone call from your producer and then you have to go, you have to go th- Hard and fast. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, there, there's so much work at the moment, Puna. It's insane. It's yeah, really it insane. And, you know, people are getting, I think, too, I think they're getting elevated too early um, and uh, they're not experienced enough. However, you know, there's a huge amount of work and a, not enough people to fill it. And that's because of streaming. I mean, you mentioned it there, but have you found that's how have you found that's changed your job or the kind of jobs that you're getting? Well, it hasn't really changed the kind of jobs I'm getting, um, but it's changed the amount of work out there. Because before there used to be film and television, and now there are huge amounts of mini series. You don't know if they're going to be streamed or whether they're going to be just televised or whether they're going to be on say BBC or whether they're actually going to be on Netflix you know there are so many directors now who are just taking the king's chilling and going straight to Netflix I mean Scorsese for one you know Adam McKay McKay not quite sure you know for another they're all I think I was just reading about the um 
the trial of the um, Chicago Seven, um, Aaron Sorkin went to Netflix straight away mm. because the, the old studios, they're not as secure as they were. Whereas yeah. all these streamers have huge, great pots of cash, but you don't get a theatrical release or you get one for like two weeks, which I'm old school. So I prefer something to run in the theater that would be achieved like Gucci, like the House of Gucci that ran in the theater, the theaters very successfully and did very well. Um, well you've had, uh, you mentioned earlier that, that you kind of give dibs to a specific director that you've worked with. And that I must say the director that, that you've had the long-term collaboration with is um, Ridley Scott. Um, how did it begin? And Sir Ridley Scott. Sir, oh, sorry, Sir Ridley Scott, my bad. That's great. <laughs> Sir Ridley Scott. Um, what, uh, how did it begin and what has made a lasting relationship? Well, um, it began because I was working for Jake Scott on a film called Plunkett and McLean, a great film, which is not appreciated as much as it should be. He was showing um, his father rushes every weekend. We were in Prague and I went, oh yeah, right, you know, sure. Like Sir Ridley Scott, bloody hell. <laughs> I just didn't actually believe it, um, but he actually was. And uh, Ridley nicked um, me, costume designer, makeup, the steady cam operator and the DOP from Jake's film oh. and uh, I had got I mean I was just so excited I got this call I was doing a film in Belfast and uh, I got this call would I go and meet Sir Ridley Scott in Shepparton Studios it's like the best day of my life just wow. to meet him it was so exciting um, and that he wanted to talk to me about a film called Gladiator and you know I literally I arrived the night before I got my assistant to go to the British Museum and take some photos of some gladiators. <laughs> and I arrived literally before, obviously, you know, before iPhoto, et cetera. I literally arrived with this pack of photos, nine by, or eight by four, and showed him. <laughs> I, never thought, I never thought anything would come of it, of it at all. So I was, I've been so very fortunate, very fortunate. Because I think you've done 14 films? I don't know. La, la, la. <laughs> what, how, what, what, has, what has made it a lasting relationship, though? What, how, the collaboration? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> anyway, you know, I haven't been found out yet. Really <laughs> He's a most wonderful director to work with. He's so creative. He often you know, interjects. He loves costume. He's fascinated by it. He will do drawings. You know, I'm basically a facilitator. I just facilitate his vision. Simple as that. <laughs> so you've had a varied career and you've worked with those people. You would have worked for people. You've had people work for you. You've had, you would have interacted with people who are your peers, contemporaries. Um, how have those interactions been? And has there been anyone that has particularly inspired you throughout your career within your own industry, within our own, our own industry, I should say? Anthony Powell, working for Anthony Powell, um, I, it was only a commercial, but I worked for him for about two or three weeks, which is when I first met him. I just thought he was the most extraordinary talent. Um, 
ever. But my peers are so talented. Sandy Powell's the most one of the most talented women I've ever met. And, um, you know, there are lots and lots of peers that I really respect and look up to in my in my life. Okay. And what actually just regards at the beginning you did say that obviously the costume designer has a it's a really important job because because otherwise um the actors would be naked but the other bits of it that come with it so aside from the designing there's that element of kind of management of team and I know obviously you have a costume supervisor who helps with a lot of that kind of stuff and assistants um assistant designers and then personal assistants maybe as well on jobs um but how do you manage people and 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 how actually because we're all human and we all get stressed and we all get nervous and we all get have a moment sometimes how do you manage those feelings as well as then also then interactions with the people that are ultimately working for you or trying to create a vision basically um i i don't let anybody see how terrified i am that's number one because you have to set the best example Number two, I really think it is helpful if you're quite nice. You know, you were working with these people for up to a year. And it's very important that, you know, you spend a little bit of time with each of them, just, just trying to get to know them. Um, but it's very important that they do a good job. It's very important. Um, I am lucky now that I do have supervisors and I do have coordinators who can, you know, do the hiring and the firing. So I don't have to do that anymore. But God, I did it for years. You know, I did lots of small films. I remember um, I had something like eight girls, local girls. We were in Wales. They'd never seen a film. They'd never seen a camera. And they were running the fittings of the extras. I, I was hoarse with screaming. I was absolutely hoarse screaming on a daily basis. I was so unpleasant and they were so useless. And they were, you know, I go, why the hell are you sitting there over there having a picnic on that hill when there are people with their hair being whipped around and their hats being whipped off? I remember just being so angry with them. So you can't guarantee that you're nice to people, but you can try. I was going to say, how do you deal with that situation? <laughs> Because afterwards, it sounds like you, I mean, you're very conscious of the fact that you said you were unpleasant. So then do you, I don't know, does it, do you feel like you need to go back and sort of say anything? Or is it just one of those? No, they're useless. <laughs> they're absolutely useless. I was running around with 20 umbrellas, you know. I was running around picking up hats. No, I, you know, I have no qualms about screaming because they were very, very, but, you know, it was 20 years ago. I'm probably a bit older and wiser now. Um, what has been, looking back on your career, what has been the highlight? Oh, my God, everything's really a highlight. But I have to say, it's a terrible thing to say, but doing Gladiator really changed my life. Not a terrible thing to say. Well, it was extraordinary that it got eight Oscars, of which I got one, and that was just like being a fairy. It was a fairy tale, absolute fairy tale, because I didn't feel I deserved it. I thought it belonged to everybody who had done the film. You know, the armor makers, the drivers, the standbys, everybody had, you know, participated so incredibly. I think that was possibly one of my highlights, I'd say. 
What does it feel like going to collect the Oscar when they called your name out? They I announced your name. I was completely, totally, uh, <laughs> I was totally dead. Not dead, but just like, what? Are you serious? I mean, I was just, it was, I was ecstatic to even be there. Just to be nominated <laughs> is phenomenal. But to actually go up those stairs, those gilded stairs, and receive, ironically, from Penelope Cruz, who I worked with later on in oh. uh, my career, um, just, it was fairy tale. It was extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Out of curiosity, where do you keep it? In your house? I assume you keep it in your house. It's just there. It's just in the... Uh, it's a kind of open window between the kitchen and the sitting room. Ah, nice. You get you do see it often then as you get a chance to walk past it and admire it. Well, I don't really admire it anymore, though I think he's <laughs> a very handsome, handsome guy. I of course had it in the loo for the last for the first five, six years, because <laughs> you know, it's a British thing, I think. It's a sort of I hear this often. Forced, yeah, false modesty thing, I think. Um, and then when, you know, my aunts would come and visit, I'd have it on the mantelpiece. So, you know, they Aww. wouldn't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know why. I don't know why I got it, but it's fantastic that I got it. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure it was very well deserved. Gladiator is a great film. Actually. I only very recently saw it, funnily enough. Everyone kept saying to me, you should watch it, you should watch it. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get why people are talking about it. Well, I shame on you, shame <laughs> on you, running a podcast in the absorbed in the film industry, and you haven't <laughs> seen Gladiator. Shame on you. It was in yeah. lockdown. I watched it. It's also quite a long film as well. I think that's probably what it was. It's one of those. It's an epic, I guess, isn't it? In the same vein of the other question, though, I guess, is there anything you changed looking back on your career? No, actually, I would have loved to have done history of art. I would have loved to have done history of art. I've educated myself um, through research and we use or I use a lot of art mm. for reference a huge amount of art I would have loved to have done a degree in history of art and I still might I was going to say it's never too late to do anything about no, and it fascinates me it absolutely fascinates me it's a bit like I failed history GCSE twice and I've been able to travel and learn so much about so many eras of history, you know, from the gladiator period to Exodus to 1780s to, I haven't done 1500s actually, but several medieval films, space, you know, all of this. I've, I've educated myself through my work or I've been fortunate enough to educate myself through work on historical fact and that so would you say i mean i don't know if you answered it earlier with gladiator but would you say what's been your favorite i can't no it was not i mean that was terrifying absolutely terrifying i had to deal with armor makers and battle maker you know battle planners and i mean we made 12 of everything you know because of clean clean and muddy, clean, muddy, bloody, then for the stunt, then for the riding stunt, oh, etc. 12 sets of armour, basically. It was huge. But no, I think, because I love everything. I love contemporary. I love doing the um, counsellor. 
that was great fun to do. Um, I loved doing, I loved doing the last duel, and actually I loved doing Kingdom of Heaven. That was phenomenal. I also I did um, Miami Vice, um, and I loved the costumes in that. Uh, you know, it's it just depends really. I I think I love everything. Do you ever get starstruck still? Oh, all the time. Do you? Yeah, it lasts about until they walk into the room. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh it's you you know they're just normal people aren't they they all are see there's no, no one that you've had a particular fan moment over um no because it doesn't it you know it it's very exciting that so-and-so is doing our film um Joachim I've known since Gladiator so there was no star struck moment there because he's unchanged as well which is great he's lovely yeah. um no, not really. Matt Damon, I certainly absolutely loved to bits. He's probably my most famous, not famous, sorry, my most favourite actor. Um, so I worked with him twice. But, you know, I went to his house on The Martian in, in the very first time I met him. And so you walk into someone's house, you have a cup of tea with them, you know, and you're in their spare bedroom. Yeah clothes on them you know you don't you don't have any starstruck moments really uh, so taking their trousers off uh, no. and the women as well I adored Charlize Theron adored her with a passion she was just fantastic Aww. and I loved um Cameron Diaz as well and Penelope Cruz they were all fabulous Aww. um is there anything you'd like to see change about our industry oh yes I'd like a lot more women in control. I'd yeah, like I'd agree with you. DOPs, I'd like a lot more women first ADs. I'd like a lot more women producers. We have um, on Napoleon, we have a female editor who's worked with Sir Ridley on three or four movies now, and she's doing a bang-up job. She's brilliant. But I want to get rid of that chauvinism and the machismo on the set, it's just appalling. It's appalling. It's still there. Has that be? Has that changed throughout your time in the industry? Yes, it's got a lot better. It's got a lot. Yes, it's got a lot better. Um, the chauvinism is not anywhere as near as bad as it used to be. I mean, the old school of screaming ads is not quite so bad anymore um the old school of screaming producers not quite as bad anymore but they're still there the chauvinists are still there how, how do you think in your opinion how do you think we could encourage more women to, to come into those kind of more more kind of traditionally what people class as male roles in the film industry well we've got to get rid of all those chauvinists at the top and then they'll open the doors but basically, they're shutting the doors. That's the so only it, reason. I was going to say, is it very closed? Like it makes yeah, it closed like it was. Certainly, you know, there are a lot more female DOPs than there were. There are more female producers. Yeah, I mean, it is getting better, but they're not everywhere. And you don't hear about them all the time, like you hear about male DOPs or male um, producers be interesting I, I do see that I do see a change you do see more and more being you hear about it more and more you hear about more women in the industry but, uh, 
it's not it's not rife no it's not um but i hope that does change like you say um if you were going to go and do a fantasy job any kind of job ever in your in the future what would it be your ideal one do you mean a film yeah ideal your ideal job a fantasy job like um becoming an airline pilot you can answer that question too actually i'd be quite curious would it be an airline pilot no but i would love to be an astronaut well that would be quite cool <laughs> i would just you know not that i would have ever uh, redirected my life to become an astronaut <laughs> but no to be honest i'm really so happy to do just to be working i think you know we come from an era where we're grateful to have the work, grateful to be working, delighted, you know, because I'm a costume designer, I'm delighted to do anything, anything, whether it's space, whether it's back in Egypt in 3000 BC or contemporary. I'm happy to do, I'm so always so thrilled to do. It's always new, you know, it's always a new take. It's always a new look. It's always new actors. It's always new crowd. It's always so exciting. I'm so lucky in my career. I'm really lucky. Now, uh, when I talk about what I do to my family and friends, they have a real, in they have an interest, initial interest, but their first mind goes to who's the face famous person that you've met. They're not necessarily involved in the, um, the detail, the minutiae of what I do. Um, when you're what such a talent. Oh, I thank you. Very good. <laughs> Um, it's interesting because you don't I guess also I don't really talk about it and also I find if I talk to someone about the technicalities of soldering or something their probably minds probably their eyes will gloss over or something but do you find when you speak about your job to people that aren't in, in, in the industry like your family or your friends or when you initially did what was what has been their reaction are people just as interested or are they curious or they're just like oh okay famous people that's it oh uh, well I don't really talk about the famous people that I work with because it's a much bigger canvas yes um, you know and they'll ask who's in it and I'll say and they go oh that's interesting um and both my nephew and niece who are like the children I never had but they're as close to me as as my kids would be without all the ag they're both in the film industry anyway so you know they're like oh yeah and I was doing so and so with so and so and you know so they're, they're the ones I talk about uh my my career most with because they're more more interested you know um and my my two or three best friends are always interested and they're interested in, but they're interested in everything you know oh my god how did you get that helmet to be that shape etc you know it's that oh. sort of interest so I've never found it a problem that's really nice actually that's really the technical kind of aspect of what you do Mm. that's really nice um what would be your three to watch recommendations if you were going to recommend anything to watch which i haven't found putting you on the spot um the only i completely absolutely worshipped and adored lawrence of arabia i think oh. that is a film that everyone must 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 see from the incredible photography it's spectacular to the wonderful story which is a true story and uh you know just I think Phyllis Phyllis Dalton did the costumes I think um she won an Oscar for that just to see the costumes in that in that look um 
One of my most favorite, most recent films of four billboards outside Ebbin. And I mean, I just love that director. I love the actors, all of them. I loved it beyond belief. Um, and a third one, uh, Gladiator. Gladiator. So I guess that means something quite special to you though, doesn't it as well? Well, you know, um, <clears throat> I could say that with irony, um, but it was the first sword and sandals since Spartacus and Spartacus was pretty good um, but costume wise you know we had to really wrench it into the um, into the 21st century really yeah, um, because all those tiny little skirts they wore these pussy mm -hmm. just not acceptable at all <laughs> Oh, um, thank you, Janty, for your recommendations. And thank you so much for speaking to me. I really appreciate it. And I hope it's um, not been too much of an interrogation. <laughs> no, it hasn't been an interrogation. I love talking about costume and film. And I'm so delighted to have been able to discuss all of this with you, Poonam. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Janty. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.